Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing, Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Rupin. And we do not yet have a deal. But it is 10.13 p.m. We might. We might. At, at the time that we are recording, we do not yet have a deal. However... But we might. Uh, MLB and the MLB Players Association, the Players Union, are in their 15th hour of negotiating uh, late in Jupiter, Florida. Um, They are attempting to uh, surpass one entire year on actual Jupiter uh, of negotiations, or one actual day, rather. Um, We'll see if they get there. That That news may break while we record, if so. That'll be a who. If not, uh, then hopefully we'll get something equitable and worthwhile soon. Uh, however, this has been a jam-packed week for MLB labor negotiations and uh, a real, I would say, turning point in terms of how MLB and the MLB Players Union have been covered across the board by uh, major news outlets. It has been a week full of ESPN, USA Today, the New York Post, uh, the LA Times, uh, the Seattle Times, um, really the Athletic, obviously, really any major, even the New York Times and the Washington Post, any major uh, sports coverage location, and I'm sure this is true of many uh, local newspapers as well, 
have come down particularly hard on MLB owners. I think there's long been a sort of maligned sense of, well, we got to both sides this argument. And by and large, this was the week that I saw writer after writer, columnist after columnist, sort of sort of turn on MLB and turn on the owners, say, you have dragged this out. You have not negotiated in good faith. There is no both sides at this point. This is MLB dragging its feet, attempting to break the players' union. So we have seen that really uh, shape the conversation in a way that I have not seen in my lifetime. Um, and I'm I'm 27, uh, almost 28, um, but I think all of us on here, we we were all at least alive or conscious for you know, or or you know, even even participants, uh, you know, more active participants and more aware of the strike and the era, uh, you know, in '94 and '95. Um, Evan James and Kate Prusser, uh, both whether from your lived experience or from what you've read retroactively, I mean, this is a different world, a different environment. And it is dramatically changing how this entire proceedings is being followed. Is 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 that that's my sense of it? Does it feel like that's accurate to you as well? For sure. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things that we've had underscoring this set of negotiations is just it's a different world. Like it's a different world with social media. It's a different world with players being able to make a direct appeal to the fans, to the public. It's a different world with kind of what we know now about the people who write for MLB.com get their salaries paid out of the central office. So what they report is not what we consider unbiased. Like, even the AP, which you would think would be a bastion of objectivity. It should be. Like, they're the Associated Press. That is literally their job. Um, but we're able to track specific headlines to a writer, Ron Bloom, I believe. Is yeah, Ronald. This poor fuck with, like, 38 followers. on 38 followers has not tweeted since, like, 2014 yeah. or whatever. Um, but has just kind of made a name for himself because it's his byline that pops up on these AP stories, but the AP stories are tweeted out on Twitter like like they come from this totally objective voice, and it's not. It's some old fuck, like, sitting there and, and mad about the players, like, writing about Jarrett Cole's Porsche or whatever. Like, that's not objectivity. And it's just... There are so many ways in which we're so much more sophisticated as people now, like... I make this joke all the time, but, like, stuff that flew in the 90s or 80s when I grew up, like, it, it just would not fly today in any sense of the word. Uh, it, like, just so many different cultural facets where things that were acceptable then are not now because we know more and because we have the this democratization of information. So that's what we're seeing kind of play out. And, like, obviously... Public opinion means nothing. Like the player, the owners don't care if you hate them. Um, they they literally could not care less about fans. 
They care about revenues. And fans, unfortunately, kind of make up a smaller part of that revenue. Gate revenue, ticket sales, um, ballpark sales. None of that really... Like, the big money is in the streaming deals. It's in the TV deals. And they just don't care. Although it was extremely satisfying to see everyone en masse cancel their MLP.TV subscription to the point where, for the first time in, like, half a year, that account had to tweet and be like, whoa, 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 we're not auto-renewing, guys, until there's a new, just to make it clear, like, we weren't gonna charge you for something that doesn't exist, like, no. (laughs) That only came about after you were willing, after you saw, like, just a, the subscription numbers must have just, I mean, Mm. it, it, it broke the system. People reported that they weren't able to actually get in there they got an an error message or whatever because so many people were canceling so i mean we have a small voice but it is a voice and all that stuff kind of adds up so yeah it is it is definitely a different environment than what and i don't think the owner the ownership did a great job of anticipating how different that would be in the age of social media and frankly they tried to do this last time. They tried to paint the players as dum-dums. Like, oh, big jock dum-dums, greedy, greedy baseball players. And they failed. Be- I mean, they didn't fail, but they had access to legacy media, newspapers. They were able to feed that story. And they tried to do it again, and it didn't work this time either. Because the players make the game. Like... But this time we're seeing not only are they incredibly talented, but some of them are also incredibly articulate, well-spoken, passionate, and able to fit that in a 240-character tweet. You're speaking about Casey Sadler, I assume. I mean, definitely Casey Sadler and Paul Seawold have kind of emerged as the Mariners' labor heroes, right? That's true. That's true. Mitch Hanniger, Marco Gonzalez. out there. Gonzalez. JP uh, is out JP's there. JP's out there, yep, making some statements. No, it's been it's been really nice, and it has. Hi, been, France is quietly retweeting the other statements, yeah, or sort the, of the like regramming them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's very telling too. Like Dylan Moore has not said anything, but Dylan Moore's position is much shakier than mm-hmm. Marco Gonzalez. So, but the the guys who make more, especially like guys like Scherzer, Walker Bueller, like. Those guys are really stepping up for their lesser paid counterparts. Yeah. And that's been inspiring just to see how much the players are banded together. I think we should point out that a a lot of the, in in how we talk about this in terms of what change has actually occurred is going to be contingent on what the actual agreement is, you know? So we're, we're expecting there to be certain things that we don't actually know the specifics on just yet. And I think the devil will be in the details, especially in terms of like the dollars and cents for uh, the competitive balance tax. And just uh, or like, we're going to find out whether or not some of those forces that have been, you know, acting in this space in terms of the players taking back some of this power has actually manifested in any way. And I don't know yet. I'm really hopeful. We're sitting here watching Twitter and news is coming in basically by the second. Shannon just tweeted like three minutes ago. 
um, that the sides are meeting for the 12th time today. There's just all this flurry of activity, but it is different. Like your question, John, was how does it feel different? It feels different in every way, but whether or not we get a more favorable result, I would say I'm not entirely certain of just yet. I really want to see how this all shakes down in terms of the specific details. And I don't know. I'm a little, I'm really, really excited to have baseball back, but I am nervous because I don't know that the players are going to get everything that they want. And I'm, I'd be shocked if there wasn't some kind of like ridiculous shuffling of deck chairs for owners to not give up something. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if there is a deal that is sort of challenging because it is realistically, it's not going to be an exceptional deal if they actually get a deal tonight, right? The, the way that there would be a dramatically, a dramatic change sort of deal would be, unfortunately, if this drags on a lot longer and they go to a grievance or they go to court. Um, but I, I realistically, if, you're, if the goal is, and it may not be, and it may not be your preference, but if the goal or preference is to have a full season, then we have to hope that this is a pretty good deal. And what we've seen so far, it seems like at least some of the positives uh, are, are coming. It sounds like a 12-team playoff is what we're going to be uh, seeing in 2022 and going forward, which is my personal preference over a 10 team and certainly over a 14 team. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite excited. Um, we got a number of questions from folks about the 12 team playoff as a structure uh, from Kepler at PNW Kep. How do you feel about the 12 team playoff proposal and the possibility of it going along with restructured divisions from three to two in each league with the winners getting first round buys? I think we're all against playoff expansion, but it seems like either 12 or 14 is inevitable. Um, we also got an, an interesting question um, from Kev at K-V-N-M-A-R-E-T, Kevin Merritt. Um, would you rather an $800,000 minimum salary and a $40 million bonus pool for the pre-arbitration players? as well as a 14-team playoff or a lesser minimum salary in the 700000 range, the $20 million bonus pool, and a 12-team playoff. It sounds like that is, those are sort of the rough estimates for what we're looking at right now, the, the proposals for earlier. Some are in that. Um, still, either way, a significant bump in uh, the proposed money which is good that mlb is finally actually making some sort of movement after just twiddling their thumbs and now having to do 15 hours straight of negotiating because they didn't do anything for two months three months whatever um but i'm curious about uh, about how you guys feel about the playoff structure what is your ideal playoff structure uh, and i also i want to say i don't know that the divisional reconstruction is part of any proposal right now I'm petty, so I want whatever gets the owners the least amount of money. <laughs> but that being said, like, uh, I'm torn because, like, it would be frustrating on one hand to 
see all these good Mariners clubs that have missed out because of the way the rules were. I mean, John, that article that you wrote that was like, was like, here's how many of the past Mariners teams would Mm -hmm. have made the playoffs under this structure. Mm -hmm. Just haunts my dreams. Like it haunts me to think about Felix or Kyle Seeger getting, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tragedy. Like Mm -hmm. it is the great tragedy at the heart of Mariners fandom, it's the one who walk away from Omelas like Felix is the child in the basement. You'll get that if you've read the story, which I assume three of you have. Have uh, not, and I'm a little horrified by the three, reference, but... Three three people are really enjoying that reference right now, so... And I'm one of them. Um, it, it, it would be hard, because it would feel like a lowering of the bar, right? It would feel like the bar was lower and like that's how the Mariners got to step into it. And it wouldn't matter if it was like, I mean, maybe if they like won the AOS, we would be like, that's fine. They would have won anyway. And, you know, they wouldn't have. But if they make it in under expanded playoffs, like I will feel like it's a little bit of a cheat and I'll be so happy but it will feel like a bit of a cheat. And I just, I don't want that. I want, I, I do not want that. So, I mean, I guess, whatever, 12, 12. 14 is, I believe I read on Twitter, a crime against math. So. Yeah. That's yeah, we don't need team. half the teams in the league making the playoffs. That's, that's a crime. Insane. That's a crime yeah. against math. But. Yeah, I want to, I mean. I, I think we've touched on it in previous pods, but there would have been quite a few sub-500 teams in the playoffs. And that happens in other sports, but it's not good, and people always lament it, and I think it would happen more in baseball suddenly than in any other sport, especially a sport where the regular seasons longer than any other and there are more games and you want it to matter more so what i like about the 12 team setup is that you know you you still can have that excitement of the wild card round right you still have the opportunity for teams to get in no matter what their division is and you still even have the option for a team to win their division and be sort of guaranteed a spot you can even do the thing where the division winning team with the third best record gets to pick who they want to play. Right. That I still mm-hmm. think is very fun. I like that part. Um, cause you know, cause it's not necessarily a bonus to be like, well, I, we did to do this. We have to play the team with the worst record, but actually, you know, they just, you know, Clayton Kershaw just got healthy or whatever, you know, or it's the Astros cause they had a bad year, but, you know, now you know they traded for someone at the deadline or whatever, and they they're resurgent. Like, let let that be a fun selection event. I think that's great. But actually rewarding top two teams in each league who dominated the regular season, I think that's fantastic. You you get that first round, you get the buy into the divisional round. You know, which is not it's it's not necessarily making it more valuable, but it is making it it's giving them more of a leg up in this circumstance relative to other teams and it means that so many more teams have something to play for 
and through the end of the season, you know, you're not just going to have, uh, you know, especially if you have it relatively close, if you've got like a team that's, you know, relative, you know, if you got like three teams in the 92 to 97 win range, suddenly you don't have a last month of the season or two months of the season that are okay. One team, you know, the, the Dodgers are coasting and, or the Astros are coasting or the Yankees are coasting and everyone else has to play. Like everyone has to play hard. That's awesome. And that intensity is the best part of, of uh, baseball games to me is, you know, I love April baseball because it's fun and it's wonderful. And I love September and October baseball because it's intense mm-hmm. and you, you have a genuine intensity that is not manufactured and not just, well, the Marlins are here this year. Cause why not? Like, and whoops, they're going to sweep a three game series. And now this team that won 98 games is gone. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm much more enthusiastic about twelve teams. It's I, and I think as long, especially as long as the league is only thirty, uh, only has thirty clubs, I think it makes absolutely the most sense. Um, I mean, it's it's the structure the NFL had for a very long time, and it's been great, right? You know, you have the wild card round for the NFL until until this year you had the wild card round and the top two teams got a buy and it was a huge benefit and you could debate the benefit of it in baseball but i think it's pretty significant especially for pitchers so uh, i'm very enthusiastic evan how about you yeah um i agree with you i think that the expanded playoffs makes the actual games during the season especially late in the season a little bit more impactful and you know my only reservation is that having those additional playoff teams would make the actual playoffs you know september october baseball Mm -hmm. less exciting on the back end Mm -hmm. um i think the way you get around that and we talked about this a little bit in the slack a couple of weeks ago is to have proper series and i think the thing i really hated about the playoffs last year was i was so excited for the blue jays and you know, yeah. like with the, the do or die one game playoff thing that we had last year, like it just doesn't work for baseball. No. It was so deflating to have these really interesting, young, kind of cobbled together teams with young superstars get there. And then in one day, it was all over. Like it was just mm-hmm. so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm OK with them doing the 12 team playoffs, provided we're getting proper series. You know, we're doing it right. We're treating baseball like baseball and we're not treating it like the NFL. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the football example because they did have expanded playoffs for the NFL this year. And the first week of games kind of sucked, consequently. So there's definitely a fine balance between, you know, adding more teams for extra drama and having it be too much and having to get through it too quickly to properly kind of reward the teams for being so good that got there in the first place. So no more single game playoffs for any reason. Uh, that's horrible, but um, generally in favor of the twelve-team playoffs, I think. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Because it, if it's the one-game playoff, like, yeah, it was like a fun novelty. But it, I, I do think at least a three-game set, and it can be, you know, that's been proposed of like it's a three-game set, and like the better record team hosts all the games, and that's fine, or best of three rather. Um, I'm fine with that. I think that's good, and it's a nice re- again. It's a little reward for a team that played better in the regular season, you know. Um, and Kate, I I feel similarly about your point of like I don't want it to be cheap. I don't want it to be cheapened, but I do think like playoffs are playoffs. Um, 
and some point, at some point the Mariners will win a division, and then if people really want to call that like actually making it, that's fine. But uh, you know, I think if it's if it's a genuinely good team and they just happen to be the wild card, I'm not going to sweat it too much. Um, and I think 12 is still within the realm of like that's usually still a good team. Right, you know that's still a high eighties winning team pretty much every year, and I think I don't think there are, if there were any, there are very few circumstances where you know the sixth best team is going to be a sub five hundred one. So uh, I, I do think that that is a, a general positive. I know we've talked about expanded playoffs as a way to potentially put pressure on teams in to spend more where if they're like, you know, kind of on the bubble to like mm-hmm. go ahead and go all in and see if they right. can make the playoffs. I wonder though, like just because I've been doing a lot of research lately about the CBT, the competitive balance, tax. Competitive yeah. balance tax and whether or not that actually creates quote unquote competition or quote unquote mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. Um, which it doesn't really. No. I mean, it it does not really empower small market teams to spend like late over the past few years, they have mm-hmm. not spent like their bigger money counterpart counterparts. You mm-hmm. still have the higher value clubs outspending. The, I mean, it's not done anything to narrow any of those gaps. So well, it's and, not and, necessarily making things more balanced. And and the players, the players have explicitly filed grievances against at least four of those like small market teams because the way it's supposed to work is that the big market teams are basically supposed to share revenues with the lower market teams that those teams can then reinvest into their payroll. Payroll, yeah. And, you know, which is the part that would make it work more like a cap and floor system, right? Of like, you know, which is has its own issues, but the theory is reasonable that okay these lower these small market teams are getting some extra money that then that way they can be more on par with like a mid-market team or whatever and instead that's not happening right the Uh -uh. the 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 gap between smallest market team and biggest market teams has actually grown or that like it's like travis sochik had a number on this i think it's like pre-CBT, it was like 2.4 times the like average, like the top five, the average of the top five was two and a half times bigger than the average of the bottom five. And now it's like almost four times as big. Um, So like, it's not really working and the top teams are still not actually spending close to what they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of which I, Kate, I'm sorry, I did cut you off a bit, but the idea of the the first round buys for the top two teams, I I like that because it is still I think a it's enough of a carrot to say yes, it is worth winning your division and being great right. more than just being the wild card, and also it's worth getting in the wild card because it's not just a complete 
you know, it's it's not you're not going to get there just by having an, a 500 team. You do still need to compete a little bit, but it's attainable if you try reasonably. I mean, first of all, they they have to not call those ghost wins because that's yeah, it's a bad, stupid. It's a bad, it's a bad. I mean, people are like, oh, that's so cool. No, no, it's not. Ghost win, ghost runner, mm-hmm. not cool. Neither of those things no. are. No player was, wants to yeah. feel like something was. You know, not earned, right? Which is how is a ghost, ghost win feels. just a loss? Like I'm unclear about that. No. Term. So, so like the a- idea, the idea is, um, you're spotted the, a win, basically. Yes. Yeah, it's one of the proposals for the wild card round to like, if you are the higher seeded wild card team, that you would basically be spotted a win in a three game series. Oh, I see. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like, know. You don't like have that. to play that first game, which is. So, I mean, it it just. Uh, workably becomes a two game series which is i mean i don't know call it something like that but like don't don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining which is a whole <laughs> whole th- a whole theme of this whole thing but the point i wanted to make before john's rudely interrupted me <laughs> was that Sorry. i'm not sure if uh if the expanded playoffs will encourage all that many more teams to spend mm-hmm. because like maybe a team on the bubble does but then a whole bunch of teams that are already out of it are like well might as well go all in on the tanking and they you know it doesn't fix the tanking problem they're still like we're gonna miss out we're gonna trade our talent that's on their last year or two years of their contract so we can get some good prospects we'll build up the cycle again which is a necessary part like it's definitely a necessary life cycle is like this building you know there's a little bit of ebb and flow you cannot win all the time like that's just not how sport can or should work but you do need you can be investing in your team at the lower levels while at the same time succeeding at the upper levels to some extent and the dodgers are a great example of that even though there's so much money they're just they they are spending so much money but you can still do like a scaled down version of what the dodgers do like you can invest a lot in the international draft and it or the internet the international signings and in your player development and in taking care of your minor leaguers and like feeding them good food mm-hmm. and still gain a competitive advantage from that. But I mean, that's something we've seen come up as well is like, well, why would any team play their pay their minor leaguers better? Because that gives them a brief competitive advantage, but then everybody else does it too. And then you have everybody all paying more for the same competitive advantage. And mm-hmm. no one wants to be the first team that does that, which is, the most nihilistic, depressing, it, that, yeah. more than any of the rest of this, like, that depresses me. We can't make things better for anyone, because then they'll only get, more because expensive. then there eventually won't be a competitive edge in doing it. And uh, There's no competitive edge in treating people well, which is a, a frustrating thing that we've come back to again and again in these discussions. Oh man, I saw, I forget what I was watching today, but somebody said a broken system favors bad actors. And I just felt like mm-hmm. it was so true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 
what you guys are saying about how it could potentially like a change in the competitive balance get teams to spend or you know act more competitively I don't think that that's fundamentally the case and we're really talking about a handful of teams like probably the bottom 10 teams in the league in terms of spending and you can't really teach an old dog new tricks and I think we saw that today when Derek Jeter quit the Marlins uh because seemingly like the story that's coming out about it is that he wanted the team to spend more and kind of be more aggressive and push more to towards being competitive mm-hmm. like a complete organization and uh they're not so into that so um you know you know like i just think i think the fundamental assumption that changing anything about the way the sport is played really on any level is going to affect the way that some of these teams operate i think they're going to do what they do cuz that's how they do it and we shouldn't expect there being additional playoff teams to affect that. Um, but that's a pessimistic outlook, obviously. It is a good point, though. Like the the, the quote in Jeff Passan's piece on um, from an anonymous sort of GM or executive was like, obviously, service time manipulation is horrible and unfair. But what are we supposed to do? Not manipulate their service time? It would be it's 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 in the rules. We'd be hurting our like you know literally. But, what are we supposed to do? Not exploit them? Right. Which is and, yes. Circles yeah. back to what Evan was saying about a broken system yeah. favoring yeah. bad actors. Like right. if everyone else is cheating and you choose not to cheat, you're gonna lose. So you're gonna cheat. Like and yeah. I we understand that on some level, even if we think it's terrible. Right. And that's I mean, that is it sucks, but it's like that is every layer of MLB. <laughs> like at every layer of the system is like, well, it's just it's 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 systems that are either poorly built or un- have their regulations unenforced, and so we're sort of here. We're here trying to pick the scraps up, you know, trying to see the scraps slightly reassembled into something positive because. It's so fun and it's so good. And there's so many awesome players in the sport right now. And there's so much to be excited about and encouraged for the future of baseball in MLB and and beyond. And it just needs a little bit of foresight and a little bit of willingness to, as Kate, you wrote today, like a little bit of willingness to be caretakers from the people who are in charge and have the decision-making power that has been so absent. You know, I was thinking about that today and please do go read that article. I spent a lot of time on it. Um, But it does make me wonder when I was looking at the list of all the people who have inherited their money. So like Artie Moreno made his money. He did not inherit it. He was not born into wealth. His path to making all that money is not any more, like, high-minded or equitable <laughs> than anyone else because, you know, you, you that's don't not how that. you make money. You don't make money by being nice to people, but... Or you don't make a billion dollars. <laughs> you don't I mean, make you, a billion... You, they're, they're absolutely you can make money. Yeah, you can make money and be nice. You don't make owner, MLB owner money by being nice to people. Um so, I mean, he is one that kind of stands out to me as, like, he's the self-made man. He's, like, the 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 American success story that, like, you want to kind of root for. Mm-hmm. He's the only Mexican-American business uh, baseball owner. Like, mm-hmm. 
you want to root for that. And then he just has oh, horrible policies. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, because a lot of them had this handed down to them, like, it's almost like a family heirloom and, like, one that they don't particularly treasure. Like, I have family heirlooms that I was given that I love and honor and feel very special to have, but I have a vast majority of them that <laughs> I'm like, ah, I have to hold this for reasons. Like, it's not something I would ever have picked. Like, God, this plate is hideous. But it was like, I don't know, brought over by my grandfather around the Horn of Africa to California in the 1800s. And it is the most god-awful, unsightly piece of pottery. But it is, A, worth a crap ton of money. And B, my family legacy or whatever. So... I have to keep this ugly piece of pottery that's, like, not making me any money. It's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's worth something, but it's not worth So, yeah, I mean, the duty. So, yeah, do I feel a duty of care to this item? Like, yeah, I need to make sure it doesn't get shattered in an earthquake. But beyond that, am I going out of my way to, like, lovingly polish it or clean the dust? No, it mostly just sits there. I don't love it. It's not something I would have chosen, but it is my family inheritance. So I wonder how much of it is like just these sons of these these scions of industry that are like, mm, I've been given this thing and I'm told it's an honor. So um, I guess I'll just. But for them, it's it's not about love of the game. It's about mm. a status. Well, well it, it can be about love of the game, but. The game is like the means to an end. It's about the business for them and kind of the entity that they have ownership or, you know, kind of like association with is the business. And the game is just an extension of that. You know what I mean? It's like you own a bar and, you know, you have artists come there and play music, but you, what you own is the bar. And what you do is you, you run a bar. But the fact that you facilitate music is just an extension of that. And they might like baseball, but their allegiance is not to baseball. Their allegiance is to their ownership as it relates to baseball. And that is different because we're fans and we love the sport and we love the vibes and we love being a fan and we love the friends we made along the way. And those are not the reasons that anyone is investing in baseball to get money back, essentially. Right. It is also, I think, about nine or ten of the present like principal owners have been the principal owner or like majority owners since prior to the 94 95 strike and i think at least over half of them were either in their own team as minority owners or on a different team as minority or even majority owners so this is a lot of the same people who were literally caught doing collusion or and or you know for basically forced by a federal judge to, to stop doing uh unfair labor practices during you know to resolve the 94 95 strike um uh, and likely have held a grudge uh and and i think this unfortunately has been something we've seen here of like you know it, it is a fixation on extracting the most money from it, which like 
there's not another way to expect things to to work, unfortunately. But like, it's really, really frustrating to see so many opportunities to do cool, <laughs> neat, and and worthwhile things squandered by all this. Um, we got a question from Dane Thompson at Dane Thompson with an E uh, on Twitter. Uh, you're in a room with all the MLB owners and one security guard. How many owners do you think eat? Do you each think you can knee strike before you get tased by the one security guard? <laughs> and uh, my physical fitness has been deteriorating during this lockout, so I'm gonna oh say no, one. Evan? You're, no, Evan, you're probably like the strongest. You're the one who does the most. I think you're the most physically fit out of the three of us. The I think is, the gym, I'm but... sneaky. So I could, like, you know, sidle up and be like, oh, let me talk to you. And then, well, and then I don't know how long I could get along, how long I could get away with that. Maybe I'd try to take the security guard out first. I don't know. Um, the answer is if I had to play fair. Probably zero security guards are generally very fit and much fitter than me. But um, if I was allowed to play dirty, an untold number like well, I, you are, my, you are knee striking that shit. <laughs> what is knee striking? Just the, the like, knee to the groin? Like a, I believe, or is so. it like a I is it a so. knee to the back of the knee? I don't. I, I mean, believe knee to the groin. If I was allowed to use my own tactics, all right. Like I have a lot of yeah. ways to oh, hurt. Absolutely, I have You're a lot of ways listen. to hurt people that are not necessarily physical. But <laughs> am I allowed to use psychological pain? You because emotional pain on the owner. A psychological knee strike. Let I, me at that. Let me at the scion of uh, Little Caesar's Pizza. I have some <laughs> things to say about his product. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I, my, i'm not gifted physically but i am gifted with a rapier sharp wit and i would love oh. to just roast can i roast each of the owners i want to yeah i would like yes. that that actually yeah. i mean honestly oh, can i bring my considerable heckling skill to the owner yes i could <laughs> i i'm gonna say if i'm allowed to heckle them Unlimited time, no one's allowed to heckle me back. I could take out the whole room. <laughs> like this. It's basically blow darts, but like mm -hmm. verbal but blow like... darts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look, I worked in middle schools for a while. I you cannot hurt me, That's but fair. I know a million ways to hurt you. That's good. Um I yeah, I think that that may be the best way to go about it. Yeah. I would love to to give the little Caesars big Caesar, uh, <laughs> I assume he goes by a piece big, of my big mind. Caesar Caesar. Yeah, that I think I've told you guys this, but one of the ways that my college baseball coach would save some money for the program was that he would collect everyone's per diem and put it uh, on on road trips and buy everyone an, in a single. Little Caesar's Pizza, which is five dollars. Yes. I believe we got twelve dollars yes, for per diem, so that was seven bucks per player that went back into something. Maybe jerseys. That is some maybe excellent not. grifting. Jim Bowden is Jim Bowden is somewhere <laughs> tipping, doffing his cap. <laughs> um, let me tell you, when you have twenty-five <laughs> to thirty uh, 
18 to 22 year old boys on a single bus with one <laughs> with one bathroom each consuming uh, and little caesars pizza which is does not advertise itself as a personal pizza <laughs> uh, it, it's a, a catastrophic situation uh, that that uh, I think might put into stark relief uh, some of the some of the hurdles that I think that the owners and the players association might be able to overcome. All right. Let's let's lock everybody in a room and give and them everyone, all. <laughs> has to, everyone has to consume one little Caesar's pizza. <laughs> And they don't and get the to go first, to the bathroom. Yeah. No, no. The first side that goes to the bathroom loses. Oh, so, Christ. Who's going to win? The players oh. whose stomachs are tempered off of seven years of being in the minors slash being on college baseball yeah. teams? Or the owners? I, um... Yeah. Yeah. I, think this I, is, this I don't is know. The though. Dick Monfort might, like, he, he eats... Like, he just... Sort of has a smoothie of foie gras, like it's like instead of boba, he's got like (laughs) (laughs) his tea, he's got roe. John Milton just like pulls out some like powdered babies and he's just like, put some of this, just put a little, put a little of this over this. Nothing will fix this, like the taste of your fellow man. Yes, yes. This, this is this is my life hack protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> you hack into them. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> drink the life right out. <laughs> we are so far afield, we're, but my stomach distant. hurts from laughing. We're very distant. Well, the, the real challenge is I, I need to... I can't believe they gave a bunch of college students a Little Caesars pizza oh. Yeah, it was a bad choice. Weirdly enough, not a, not a great record. <laughs> a lot of single-digit win seasons in our 40-game season. Uh, um, yeah, tough to put, put two and two together there for a little, little Cesare. Because um, half your outfield was missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, no. so we had three Manny Ramirez's trying to get into the uh, oh, into no. the big monster, into the green monster. <laughs> oh God! Well, gang, I I feel very badly that we didn't. We neither have broken news nor have we for very much information. Here's what I'll say. We may be... Um, answer we'll any have, questions? We answered a few questions. But I think <gasps> questions. what we may need to do is roll in to another episode uh, tomorrow because we will likely have some yeah. stuff going on. I mean, un- unsurprisingly, together? it turns out Bob, Ni- Bob Nightingale was <sighs> wrong. Certainly, he was where to, to quote Keen, my one of my favorite Keen Peelisms. Whereas I was not incorrect, the words <laughs> literally and figuratively did not mean what I thought they meant, nor did yes. consummate or whatever the fuck that tweet was that he sent out. Uh, that oh god, I, I mean, 
I'm just, this is going to be the closer because I do need to go. Um, <laughs> and I'm very sorry, but to send us into the, into the, this good night. Oh no. Did he actually delete it? Oh, Bob, Bob, no. Bob never deletes tweets. Boob, sir, surely Boob would not do this to us. Bob's getting uh, reamed pretty hard by the memes tonight. He may have deleted things. Um, it's kind of a spicy night on MLB Twitter. Everybody it, waiting. No, really here is. we go. We got it. We got it. I mean, um, 26 minutes ago, he tweeted New York Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner calls it a night and leaves the complex. Uh-huh. And I'm seeing that that has 1,300 likes, yeah. what, 724 what retweets, which is never good, and 413 uh, replies, which is right. some real Barry Bonds at the height of juicing numbers. Oh, yeah, baby. All right. Of 413, we're, 724, we're now up to 1375 slash line. So, yeah, not just bond. Not just bonds on his usual juice, mm-hmm. bonds on powdered babies. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get real close up on the mic for this closer here, Ooh, and then we're, we're this is like gonna be this. the ASMR for for us for the night before <laughs> oh I go to bed because because my roommates are asleep, and I promised them I'd stop recording the podcast. We're okay. tired, so, everyone. Okay. All right. Bob I'm ready. Knighton, Bob Nightingale at B Nightingale. It is now midnight, and no one is moving as the two sides moving ever so closer. You will see my cease and desist in the mail tomorrow. Bye! Gross. Do not peruse.